0: This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away today. My featured guest is Gia Chacon. Uh, She is a humanitarian motivational speaker and the pro-life director of Bienvenido US. Uh, She first began her humanitarian efforts in 2017 and has since traveled to Central America, East Africa, and throughout the Middle East. Now, during her time with the refugees, uh, she has had the opportunity to speak with them about the atrocities that they faced and the horrible acts of violence they suffered for refusing to renounce Christ. After hearing these stories, God laid it on our heart to bring awareness to the growing crisis of Christian persecution. That means Protestants and Catholics and to make a positive impact in the lives of the suffering faithful. This led to the founding of For the Martyrs. Uh, In addition to public speaking, pro-life advocacy and religious freedom advocacy, Gia Chacon is a published writer, has been featured in news articles and interviewed on television and radio shows uh, daily. She impacts culture through her social media account on Instagram, Genuinely Gia at genuinely Gia uh you can find her at forthemartyrs.com forthemartyrs.com I got connected uh to her through her Instagram account I kind of looked her up so what she was all about I only bring the best of the best to you BC nation um and Gia is one of those people that is living out her faith she's doing it authentically unapologetically and boldly uh in an area of adversity um and violence, right? Christian persecution. So I want to bring her here today to speak into your life because there's adversity in your life that maybe you've been running from instead of just facing it head on with God. Um, and and maybe there's a calling that God has put on your life. In fact, I know there's a calling that God put on your life, and you, maybe you've been resisting it for months or years. Uh, Gia is going to inspire you to really lean into that calling because on the other side of that biggest fear is your calling. And God wants you to take that step. He wants you to walk through that. So Gia, welcome to Brokey Catholic number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and just take like 30 seconds, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you?
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. So um, before uh, becoming a humanitarian or starting my humanitarian work, I um, you know, lived a life where I had one foot planted in my faith and the other was kind of dipping into the world. And to make a very long story short, The foot that was damping or uh, dipping into the world became a ball and chain, pulling me deeper into heartache and compromise. Um, Eventually, it got to the place where I didn't recognize the person looking back at me. I said a simple prayer. I said, Lord, I know anyone who is in you is a new creation, and I want that new creation life you promised. Within a matter of weeks, the Lord turned my life upside down, um, only to shake it up and turn me around to depend completely on him. And I called my grandma, I said, grandma, do you who has her own nonprofit organization, she's been doing humanitarian uh, crisis relief for over 40 years, I said, mm-hmm. do you have any trips coming up? I just wanted to kind of get out of town and reset. Two weeks later, I was in Egypt, and it was actually in Egypt, witnessing the face of the persecuted church that caused me um, to give my life totally over to the service of Christ and um, the rest is history, as they say.
0: Okay, awesome. Now, you are so polished and so seasoned at giving your testimony that you <laughs> literally just gave your whole life story in, I don't know, 38 seconds. So <laughs> let's unpack it just a little bit for my listeners. Um, so, first off, go back in time uh, where you were raised. Were you raised in faith? Uh, were you raised without faith? Like, paint us a picture of early childhood into your uh, teen years, would you?
1: I would. Was- blessed and I am blessed that I was raised in a very devout Christian household. Um, I kind of have an interesting story because my grandma is a Protestant preacher and my mother is a devout Catholic. So I kind of experienced um, the best of both worlds, I guess. And uh, my mother always instilled in me the importance of having a personal relationship with Christ. And um, I'm grateful for that because despite the times that I walked away from the Lord or I wasn't going to church or I distanced myself from God, I always felt him calling me. And um, I always felt the call of Christ on my life. And I knew I was called for something greater. And so as time went on, I think we all struggle with this. We um, try to live our lives without Christ, or we try to figure things out on our own. or we think that our way is better. And especially as young people, we give in to the temptations of the world. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was so focused on my career and what I thought was my dream job and um, you know, filling my life with so many things that weren't the Lord. And as I said, eventually I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize the person looking back at me and mm. being raised in the faith and having that um, influence from my mother and my grandmother, I knew that, that there was more for my life and that that wasn't who God called me to be. So I said the simple prayer says, Lord, please come into my life and make me new. I want to um, be who you've called me to be. And um, as I said, I called my grandmother and thanks be to God. She said, yes, we're having a trip coming up and you're welcome to come with us. And yeah, and that was really the beginning of the transformation because even though we make the moment or we make the decision in a moment to give our life to Christ, uh, there's so much transformation that follows that. And I believe we're on a lifelong conversion. So we're constantly giving ourselves over um, Mm. to Christ and his will for our lives.
0: I agree with you completely. Now, listen, typically when we make that declaration to God, or we invite him in, or we give him permission to wreck our uh, self-centered lives, because that's just what we do. uh, He comes in, uh, in a gentle way, and sometimes in a forceful way, depending on what we need. Uh, And there's a surrender of the things that we built ourselves. Uh, and we have to give it to him and hand it over and say, God, okay, this is the thing I cherish most. I really don't want to let go of it, but apparently you want it in order to make me into that new creation. It's got to be removed. It's blocking your best for me. What were some of those things or what was that biggest thing that uh, you found yourself resisting in or letting go of uh, giving over to God? What was it? What did you have?
1: I think, um, Really, it was control of my life as a whole, because I'm the type of person who likes to be in charge 24 seven. I'm like the natural person. If there's a group, I'll be the first person to say, okay, this is what we're doing. So um, it was really every area of my life. Um, I had to quit my job. I knew uh, that when I said that prayer and the Lord turned my life upside down, uh, it was crazy because things started happening in my career that I, within a matter of days where I said, okay, I know that this is totally the Lord turning everything upside down. And so I made the really difficult decision to quit my job. I had no idea what my life was going to look like. I had no idea what I was going to do next. And I, as you said, just kind of uh, made the tough decision, but I trusted the Lord that there was something better. And I trusted that his call was greater than what I was doing, which is a really difficult decision to make, even though it sounds easy speaking about it um, in retrospect. Um, But I also had to remove my friends. Um, Naturally, I had to separate myself from people that were not influencing me to be who God has called me to be. And um, in some areas, that was easier, right? With some people, that was easier. But uh, when it came to my closest friends at the time, that was more difficult. And um, it was very lonely at the beginning, it was very lonely. And it was definitely a chiseling process where God was removing this outer layer, um, as you said, that I kind of built for myself, that was centered around um, my selfish dreams, hopes and aspirations, and God removed those things. Um, so I could seek him more. And I think I needed to be in that space of loneliness so I could really, um, give everything to the Lord and seek him above anything else.
0: I really appreciate that you brought loneliness into the conversation, because I think this is what we resist, uh, so often we don't want to be alone, right? It's, it's, it's not good for a man to be alone for a woman to be alone. So there's this natural resistance towards loneliness yet. It's almost like a prerequisite, um, you know, in the stripping process of self that God does, we have to let go of uh, some of those bad influences, like you said, or maybe they're good people uh, in our life, in our network, but they're not headed in the same place we're going, um, and they're holding us back in some way. And, you know, it's so difficult, like, to say goodbye to those friends that we're just so comfortable with, or those boyfriends, or those girlfriends that... They just have that, uh, space in our heart. Um, and, but until we let go of them, there's no space in our heart for God, like as much space as he actually wants. Like speak to that just a little bit. Do you have like a story or was there a boyfriend involved at that time (laughs) that you had to shed it? You know, like, give us a, give us a story of like what that cost was, because I think that's important for listeners to understand. There's a price to pay when you give your life over to God's best for you, but it's temporary pain for this long-term reward. So give us a story there.
1: Yes, well, I um happened to break up my boyfriend or break up with my boyfriend during this time of transformation, but that wasn't as difficult, um, uh, believe it or not, as separating myself from my friends and especially um my career. I was so immersed in the social life centered around my career and um you know, that really was my whole identity at the time and my family a little bit. I've always been a very family oriented person, but I put so much of my self worth in the people that I was surrounding myself with and the job that I was working. So as I Separated myself, and I really had this. I mean, it was a hard contrast. um, I guess pivotal change in my life, where I went from being one person one day, and then quite literally, I came back from that trip um, to Egypt as a completely different person. Where I said, I don't want anything to do with the old Gia. I don't want anything to do with the old Gia's habits or the old Gia's, um, you know, theme that she was living in. And so, I had to remove myself again from my friends, as I said. uh, But it's really when you isolate yourself. And it's, as you said, not all of the friends were totally bad influences. Maybe some of them are good people, but I knew that they weren't going to lead me in the direction that Christ was calling me. And so I had to separate myself from from some of my closest friends. Um, And I really just relied on my mom. My mom became my best friend in Christ. Right. And I just dove into my relationship with the Lord. But I remember, um, believe it or not, the people that I was used to surround myself with started making fun of me for becoming a Jesus freak. Um, And overnight, really within a couple of weeks, one of the girls that was my best friend made an Instagram account making fun of me, which sounds so high school because this was a grown woman who was, I think she was 33 at the time, which is just mind blowing. And, um, when that happened, I realized truly that it was for the best that I was removing myself from these friends. And I think God allowed that to happen. So I could see that it was for my good, that I was in this place of loneliness and depending on the Lord and going to church with my mom and just, um, really Kind of almost going back to um, this little girl' dependence on Christ and my mom's influence, if that makes sense.
0: That makes a lot of sense. How long did that time period of loneliness or solitude with God last before He like actively threw you in to the new calling?
1: Um, well, I started working with my grandmother's uh, nonprofit right away. So I asked my grandma for a job, and I said, "I'll do anything." <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be a secretary, I'll do anything. I just, um, I know that after having that experience in Egypt, that my heart immediately was breaking for the persecuted church and to be a solution in the world and going to Egypt and being able to pray with the persecuted and seeing my grandmother's nonprofit work where she was working, um, not just in the middle East with a persecuted church, but around the world, wherever, uh, there is a huge need for humanitarian assistance was something that inspired me. And I saw myself, um, being able to work with people and have a desire to do that. So thankfully she hired me and I began working with her and her nonprofit and um, really that period of loneliness lasted almost a year where I had friends and I had people in my life but it wasn't um, it wasn't the way that it was and I didn't really find my people and come into my full calling until truly actually three years later was when I realized what God was specifically calling me to do so the first year was very lonely but as I went through Um, the three years leading up to where I uh, found the call for God or discovered my call to work specifically for the persecuted church, I trusted the Lord the whole time. And I kept writing in my journal, Lord, I don't know where you're calling me, but I'm trusting you. And I'm going to keep trusting you. And I'm going to keep seeking you and keep um, seeking your will for my life. And very slowly as time um, went on through that period, God would reveal things to me. And, um, eventually I understood, okay, God is calling me to have, or to start my own nonprofit, but it's definitely a process and it's a lot of surrender and continuing to trust the Lord. And every day, every moment, making the decision, Jesus, I trust in you in this moment today, I give my life to you and every day and this week and for this year.
0: Hmm. You know, it's going back just a little bit there in your story, uh, with that old girlfriend, um, your best friend and her putting up a, you know, just a separate account just to bash you uh, for your newfound uh, faith. And, you know, you were a persecuted Christian at that moment. And, and I kind of see that as, you know, God warming you up for the calling, <laughs> thickening the skin just a little bit, because when you're publicly ridiculed and falsely accused, that hurts.
1: It does. Absolutely. And, I'll be honest with you. I was so shocked when that happened because I couldn't believe that somebody that I knew and that I was so close with would do something like that. And um, I prayed about it and I said, "Lord, what's the lesson here? What are you teaching me? Because I, I don't understand how anyone could do this, let alone someone I was so close with." And I really felt the Lord pressing on my heart that um, that I was so radically different than the person that I was, and that's what it that's. What spoke to me is that I could be this different, that people would be so shocked by it, that God had transformed my life so much that they don't even know what to make of it. And so that's what I came to the conclusion of. And absolutely, as time went on, and especially when I started um, speaking more, people have sent me horrible messages on Instagram. And I've gotten messages on Twitter from, um, I mean, things you can't imagine, horrible things. And I, I'm inspired by the faith of Christians who lay down their lives and make the decision to sacrifice everything for the gospel. And I think these small persecutions, these small intimidations that we have in the United States um, or even in my own personal life, I'm so inspired by the faith and the courage of the persecuted church to be bold in the face of ridicule and adversity.
0: Yeah. I really get that. And, and just, I, I couldn't imagine you not getting based on the space that you're working in uh, that you wouldn't be getting death threats. Has that ever happened?
1: Yes, it has. Absolutely. And I, it's, um, crazy because I don't want to say, oh, I get death threats all the time, you know, but I do. And it happens, um, especially from people who are not Christian. And the reality is, is that the world we're living in today, there are extremists that want to see the end of Christianity. And those people are on social media and, um, they are unafraid to speak out the, the the voices speaking out against extremism and speaking up for Christianity. And I've gotten many DMs, um, threatening my life. Don't come to my country. Don't come to my city. um, You know, and I take those very seriously and I pray about it, but I think that God has called each of us. And I think that um, something specific that I've learned, I'll tell a quick story. Um, Once when I was traveling with the refugees, I had an opportunity to meet a young girl who was about my age. Um, So she was just, I think, barely 20 when I met her. And she was living in Iraq when ISIS or Islamist militants came into her home and asked her family, are you a Christian? And her family said yes. And following that, ISIS killed the brother in front of the family and kidnapped her sister. And they threatened to come back and kidnap uh, the young Iraqi refugee if they didn't convert or leave. So their, their family left Iraq with nothing in their hands but their passport and fled to Jordan. And when I met her and I heard this story, which is one of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of stories of Christians who have suffered under extremism. I asked myself, I did not understand. I said, Lord, how could she suffer so much at such a young age? And I really felt the Lord, as we embrace, press on me, that all of us are called to make a sacrifice. All of us are la- called to lay down our lives for the gospel. And that looks differently for each of us. So in the Middle East, they're called to make a stand and be um, you know, brave in the face of ISIS or Islamist extremists. Here in the United States, we're called to be brave in the face of culture and sacrifice maybe our selfishness, our self-betterness, um, and our own will for the will of the Lord's. And we need to be bold and be courageous in that. And so I'm constantly inspired by that story. And I think of that often.
0: Such a sad yet very powerful, inspiring story. And I think you're right. It's one of many, many millions of stories out there. You're in a space where your heart breaks constantly, I'm guessing, just hearing these stories uh, and feeling a sense of powerlessness like you can't fix it. Like you don't have enough within you, even though you're a little control freak like myself, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that you admitted earlier, uh, but you can't fix or take away other people's pain. How do you stay encouraged? How do you stay in the fight when you're surrounded maybe by environments of hopelessness?
1: Um, you know, throughout my travels, even when we bring, um, humanitarian aid or we're bringing food, clothing, whatever it may be, when you speak to someone who's persecuted and you say, what is the greatest need? They will almost always ask you to pray for them. They'll say, please continue to pray for me. And the second thing that they'll say is, please, uh, or thank you for knowing about my suffering. Please continue to uh, let the American Christians know or uh, Christians in the West know of our suffering. And I think that it's so important for Christians here in the United States to use their voice and their platform and let our brothers and sisters who are suffering around the world um know that they're not alone in that so to your question what keeps me going is i think if the persecuted and i think of their biggest ask please continue to pray for us and i believe that there is power in prayer and i believe that there is power in the individual's voice i think that god raises up our voices and that no voice is too small And so as uh, we continue in this fight for the persecuted church, when I see one person coming along and saying, gee, I never knew about the persecuted church, and now I want to use my platform to be a voice, that's what keeps me encouraged. And uh, really, when we're coming together, for example, at our March for the Martyrs, our March for the Martyrs that's coming up in um, September, seeing Christians come together across all denominations. um, We had Catholics, Protestants, Uh, Baptists, Charismatics, everyone coming together and unifying as one body, praying for the persecuted church and sending the message that we as Christians in the United States have not forgotten about our brothers and sisters who are persecuted throughout the world. That encourages me. And um, really, I know that despite how dark it is, I know that we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us, right? So sometimes that's harder to feel um, than, you know, in the moment. Um, but, but I stay st- uh, I stay strong on God's word, his promises and knowing that I'm operating and that we, as a body of Christ are operating from a place of victory.
0: Mm. Give us a story of, um, triumph or victory or, uh, transformation that you've seen in one of the people that you're over there serving with.
1: Um, it's beautiful to see, families reunited. So I mentioned the girl Serena, uh, that young Iraqi refugee girl that I um, had the privilege of meeting. um, And I mentioned that her sister was kidnapped by ISIS. Well, thanks to uh, United States soldiers, her sister was actually able to be released from ISIS and returned to her family. So stories like that were, it's just such a miracle from the Lord. Um, and absolutely a story of triumph is so beautiful, but something that, um, is amazing with the persecuted church is that you would think that victory means that they're not persecuted anymore. And that's not true. For the persecuted church, victory to them is the hope that they have in Christ. So it's the hope of the resurrection, the hope of spending eternal life with Christ and the church triumphs in these places where they suffer death for their faith in Christ um, and actually laying down their lives for Christ. So Mm. you would think that Mm. persecution going away means victory for them, but actually, Um, Laying their lives down for Christ is victory to them, um, staying strong amidst persecution, relentless persecution is victory. And so um, I can't say it enough that I'm so inspired by the faith of the persecuted. We have so much to learn in our comfortable Christianity here in the United States um, from the faith under fire, that is what I like to call it, the faith under fire of um, the persecuted church.
0: I like that term. You use faith under fire. And it reminds me of the early church, right? Our apostles, right? And, and the church as it's forming first few hundred years in and becomes highly persecuted, right? And they're being fed to the lions and right, their lives are at risk for saying they're Christian. Um, and I'm just seeing, hearing so many similarities to what's happening outside of the American bubble or the West bubble uh, that that is happening again. All over the world, yet we don't see it because we're in a comfortable little glass house over here, right? Uh, with foggy windows, <laughs> right? <laughs> we can't see out. Like it, it we'd live in one-way glass, you know, one-sided glass. People could see in, America doesn't see out. The West doesn't see out to the reality of people's hurt and pain and suffering. Um, so it's interesting because you would think that these evildoers Uh, That are persecuting the church would actually be good at history and learn from history that the more you try to suppress God's kingdom on earth, Mm -hmm. the more you try to douse the fire burning in Christians hearts, the more the fire blazes stronger and wider and it catches on even further because people are inspired when they see people going to their death simply for not denouncing God. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you like, whether you're atheist, agnostic, you see somebody say, shoot me, but I'm not renouncing Jesus. Yeah. Like something inside of you is impacted forever.
1: Absolutely. Speak to that. When we look at places like China, where they suffer under um, a communist government that wants to maybe not erase Christianity, but control the church and make sure that the church only is preaching what the government says that they're allowed to preach. They've, the church in China or the government in China has actually gone into Bibles and rewritten sacred scripture to align with their communist agenda, and anyone who is not registered with state-approved churches and um, pastors, for example, that operate underground or ha- or um, or house churches, they can be arrested and put in prison for life, and all of their family members in prison for associating. Um, so when you look at a country like China and the church in China, you would think that Christians would be scared of the government, but it's quite the opposite. Christians are so bold in China and the number of people giving their life to Christ every single year is in the millions. And the church, the underground church is just continuing to grow and it's so beautiful. And you might ask the question, how is that happening? Why? And it's because Christians have to make a stand, like you said, Joseph, Christians have to make have to make the decision. Am I willing to lay down my life for Christ? Am I willing to sacrifice my life and everything I believe for the gospel? And we look when we look at countries like China, like the Middle East, like North Korea, um, and so many other places, We have these bold Christians because they have no other choice but to be bold. For them, it's you're either going to be a Christian and sacrifice your life, or you're not going to be. And um, it sounds like a simple decision, but it's amazing to see how Christians rise up in the face of adversity. And when they're faced with the decision, will you sacrifice your life for Christ? Are you willing to lay down your life for the gospel? These Christians make a bold stand, and because of it, the church grows.
0: Mm, What a powerful witness. And we are a bunch of wimps. Here in the West, like we really are, like we're so afraid to be canceled. You know, our reputation, our status is at stake, not our lives, our status, our false egoic self is at stake, which is the very thing that blocks us from the life that God has for us, by the way. <laughs> so, you would almost think if Christians actually believed the Bible and lived the Bible, we would want to. Li- like we would want that suffering, that adversity, like, go ahead, take out my, my status or, you know, myself or whatever. But then you got all these Christians over there, like saying, no, take my life, take Mm -hmm. my physical life. Because to me, victory looks like eternal life. And if you want to get me there quicker, Mm -hmm. God bless you. Like you want to Mm -hmm. accelerate, accelerate my trip to heaven. Okay. May God Mm -hmm. bless you. Take me there. I want to see my King. Like that's like incredible faith and it's the faith we're all called to. So, uh, Gia, what has that done in your personal relationship with Christ to witness that over and over and over again, that kind of fiery, uh, you know, early church, uh, father's faith and how much time, like, do you, like what's your morning ritual or what's your daily ritual look like your time with God? Speak to that.
1: Well, when I first, so the first time I went to Egypt was I was actually a little girl. I was like 11 years old, I think. And even from that young age, I remember being so inspired by Egyptian Christians. I remember going to um, a pastor's conference with my grandmother when I was just 11 years old. And I remember just feeling the faith in the room, if that makes sense. You could feel how on fire the Christians were. So even when at a young age, I remember that. But when I returned um, in my 20s and I realized for the first time that Egyptian Christians were persecuted for their faith and that it wasn't just older generations. It wasn't just, you know, um, you know, our grandparents and our uncles and aunts, right. Age that were willing to lay down their life for Christ, but it was young people, people, my age, and even younger that were willing to sacrifice everything for Christ. It inspired me so deeply. And I thought to myself, I'm fairly able to make, you know, make it to church on Sunday, let alone give my life to Jesus. And these people are willing to die for Christ every single day. And I was so inspired by their faith that in Egypt, I made the decision to give my life to Christ. And constantly, as I'm hearing stories of the persecuted church, it presses on my own soul and my own spirit to um, surrender. And it's constantly a reminder of how much Christ has sacrificed for us and how we are called to sacrifice our lives for him. In scripture, Jesus says, let any man who should come after me, deny himself daily, take up his cross and follow me. And I think a lot of times we forget this, deny ourselves daily and so it's a daily sacrifice we're called to and um in my own life as far as um we look at when i look at the persecuted church i'm inspired by their sacrifice i'm inspired by their bold witness but i'm also inspired by their dedication to meet together their dedication to continue to have that um, christian fraternity and um, to hold church and to meet together and to build up the body of christ and so i think that's another lesson that christians here in the united states especially with what we've seen in this past year um, is to remember our biblical duty to meet together and um, as christians we're called to not forsake the gathering together and to continue to build each other up um, mm-hmm. but i think to be honest with you joseph i think something that i struggle with often and i ask myself is if it ever came to it could i lay down my life for christ
0: could that was I my next be? question, girl. <laughs> so like you're in Central America on your next trip, East Africa or the Middle East, and you get surrounded. Uh, you lose your people, right? They pull you away. They put a gun to your head and they say, do you believe in Jesus? If you answer yes, you die. If you answer no, we'll let you free. Will you give your life for him? What's, what, what happens there? What do you do?
1: I would like to say that I would. And I pray to God that I will be faithful in the moment. Um, and I pray that I'll remember the faith of all of the Christians who have gone before us. And um, not just in this day and age, but as you said, since really the birth of the church, um, Christians have been persecuted. So cr- persecution is nothing new to the body of Christ. Um, and I'll pray that I'll be faithful. And actually, that's something that I pray often in my daily life. I pray that I'm faithful. I pray that I'm faithful to the call. I pray that I'm faithful to uh, whatever little sacrifice God is calling me to, or big sacrifice that Jesus is calling me to in that day or that week. And um, if it ever comes down for it, I, or down to it, I pray that I'll be faithful in the moment if God is calling me to give my life to him. But I think that we prepare ourselves for that moment, if it should ever come. Um, we prepare ourselves for the moment by sacrificing daily for Christ and remembering, as you said, that our victory is in the internal life with Christ and that, um, our life is but a whisper here on earth, right? It's a vapor and our eternal life is uh, with Jesus. And so remembering those things, um, I pray in that moment that, um, that I'll be faithful. Yeah.
0: Thank you. That's a very honest and transparent answer. None of us know what we're going to do until we're in it. It's like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until you get hit, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the same thing, I think, of the spiritual life. You know, Jesus says there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. And then he went first and showed us what it looked like to love us that much and lay down his life. And he asks each of us, as you're saying, Gia, are you willing to lay down your life for your friend, Jesus? Are you? And BC Nation, I ask you to sit with that question. No other question today. That's your homework this week is sit with that question and get honest with God. Are you willing to lay down your life should he ask for it? For him. He went first. He did it for you. He was willing. He proved it. We have historical evidence. Are you willing to do it? And if you're not, listen, it's okay. That's a starting place. But go tell him that. God, I love you, but I don't trust you enough to give you my life yet. Help my unbelief. Give me stronger faith. I want to do what like Gia is doing. I feel inspired to do that or do it differently, but I want faith like that. I want faith like the persecuted church. So God, take whatever you need from my life in order to put that new life into me. BC nation. Will you ask that of him? Or will you sit complacent place in, in your comfortable Christianity? Like Gia says, I mean, this is, this is real. I have to ask myself that. Am I going to take a bullet for God? Yes or no? Gia, before we get into my favorite part of the show, what have we not spoken about that you really want to get the message across uh, to my listener right now, either individually or collectively for the whole persecuted church?
1: I would encourage every person listening to um, research stories about the persecuted church, to look into the lives of our modern day martyrs, of people like the Iraqi refugees, like the church in China and to read and listen to what our brothers and sisters are going for, are going through for their faith. And you know, scripture teaches us that when one member of the body of Christ suffers, we all suffer. So we're not excluded or separated from the, the suffering of the persecuted church in any way. And just like the persecuted Christians need our voice and our platform to raise awareness about their plight, we need the faith and the courage of the persecuted church here in the United States. So I would encourage everyone to research into the persecuted church. And if you would like to do that, you can join us um, at For the Martyrs. And uh, that's our website. You can go to forthemartyrs.com or connect with us on Instagram at March for the Martyrs. And if you're very interested in getting involved with the persecuted church, you can join us at our March for the Martyrs, which is a march to stand in solidarity with the persecuted Christians in Washington, D.C., this September on the 25th. And you can register on our website, forthemartyrs.com.
0: Powerful. Let's get into my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. This is where I'm going to ask you 10 quickfire questions. You'll have about 10, uh, three <laughs> seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? Yes. What's your favorite thing about God? His mercy. What's your least favorite thing about God?
1: Um, how much he trusts us and how often we fall
0: short. <laughs> God, what were you thinking there? Like, what are you most afraid of?
1: Um, not being faithful to his call.
0: Yeah. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. Gia, what are you currently struggling with, either professionally or personally?
1: I believe that I'm struggling with focusing so much on working for my own energy. And, um, you know, it's that controlling aspect of, you know, liking to be the boss of everything that I'm doing, even the things that God has trusted me with. um, But I struggle really quite often with operating from a place of resting in the Lord and um, working from a place of rest versus working to get to a place of rest.
0: (laughs) Yes. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year?
1: Uh, Scrolling on Instagram.
0: (laughs) Why? What secret fear do you have about people?
1: Um. I guess my secret fear is that we don't love each other enough and that um, we're constantly thinking about how we can use other people to get ahead, which I know is a really bad fear to have about other people. We should think the best in them, but I I worry about that for people.
0: Yeah. What do you wish uh, you had learned sooner about God?
1: I wish I learned sooner about God, about how much he truly cares about each of us individually. and how um, invested God is in our personal destiny, not just in the church as a whole. I wish I learned that sooner.
0: Yeah. BC Nation, God wants to be involved in the details of your life. The details, those petty things that you think he's way too busy for. Those are the very things he wants you to invite him into. Uh, what's a new habit you want to create?
1: New habit I would like to create is um, spiritually or Sure. (laughs) Whichever. Um, I'm Catholic. So I would like to create a new habit of praying the rosary every single day. I don't, I pray it probably a couple times a week, but I'm trying to make the habit of praying the rosary every day.
0: Got it. And for all you Protestants listening that just got horrified that she said rosary and don't get scared. We actually don't worship Mary as Catholics, (laughs) right? We don't worship her. Uh, And we don't believe that we can't speak to Jesus directly. Just putting that out there for all those lies circulating out there. Okay. We do believe in it. If you want to learn more about that, like go ask one of your Catholic friends, like, Hey, yes. why do you do what you do? Why do you do extra? Like Catholics are known for doing extra. All my Protestant friends, they pick on me. It's funny. Uh, what is a bad habit you want to break?
1: Trolling on Instagram too much. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Pick
0: three words to describe who you are now.
1: Um, outgoing. Um I don't know, maybe a go-getter and, um, a lover. I love people. I wear my heart on my sleeve as, um, the saying goes.
0: That's awesome. In my past life, my three words were little control freak. That was my <laughs> past life. Too. <laughs> yeah. That was before God made me a new creation, uh, pick three words to describe who you were before, uh, you surrendered, started surrendering daily to God.
1: Um, I can pick two words, train wreck. No, (laughs) No. um, yeah, I would say probably very controlling and really insecure, um, constantly. And I think that's why I wanted to be so controlling was because I was insecure. So I was seeking that. Um, and I think honestly, being very honest with you, probably a little angry on the inside, misplaced anger.
0: Yeah, I get that. And last question, Gia, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye, And give them only one piece of advice about everything. Life, eternity, faith, business, all of it. What would you say to them?
1: I would say to them, um, cherish the time that you have together and don't be afraid to give Jesus your everything. Those are the things that I would say to them.
0: That's awesome. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about uh, getting involved uh, in the the work that you're doing with the persecuted church.
1: Yeah, I think, as you said, Joseph, a lot of times it can feel like my voice, what difference is it making? What difference could I possibly make in the life of somebody who's persecuted? But as we know from the stories of the persecuted church and the things that they've said to us, it is so important that Christians in the United States are using their voice, their platform, and their freedom to raise awareness on behalf of the suffering faithful. And um, really that Christians in the United States are unifying around this issue Uh, When you're persecuted, they don't ask you what denomination you are. You're not dying uh, more or less because you're Catholic or you're Protestant. You're dying because of your allegiance to the cross and your willingness um, to lay down your life for Christ. And so my message to United States Christians would be to unify around this issue. um, And we need to join hands as one body of Christ to pray for the persecuted um, members of the body of Christ.
0: Mm. And I'll just leave you with this BC nation. If they're persecuting Christians, Protestants and Catholics overseas, what makes you think that they're not going to come for us? Like sit with that for a second. Don't be that naive. If they're getting away with it overseas soon, they'll be getting away with it over here. So now's the time to rise up and defend the body of Christ, regardless of the label. If they believe in Jesus, they're they're your brother or sister in Christ, period. All right. So uh, you already gave us the best way to get in contact with you. So again, go to ForTheMartyrs.com or at genuinely Gia on Instagram or uh, what is the other one? March for the Martyrs, at March for the Martyrs on uh, Instagram as well. And you could get involved if you're interested, if you want to support. Reach out to Gia if you really love her heart, you love her work. Uh, you don't have to get all in and book a trip with her. But maybe you want to support maybe you want to be uh, maybe you're listening and you're like, hey, I have a platform. I'm an influencer online. Uh, I have a lot of people that would resonate with this message. Hey, Gia, um, how can we get you involved on my platform so that we could spread this message? Maybe that's the way you serve God today, this week, this month, this year. So get involved, reach out to Gia. Gia, thank you so much for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life and in your work.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you, BC Nation.
0: Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines?